Welcome to the Higgins House and my mommy's podcast. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Higgins House. I am so excited to invite my friend Joni to the show. Um, Joni is a life coach um, who I found her Instagram, and I was so excited because I learned all about breath work and trauma responses and human design and all of that just by, I stalked her highlights on her page. Um, And so I'm so excited to have her here um, and welcome her to kind of talk about trauma response and as it pertains to us as parents and moms. Um, So Joni, welcome to the Higgins House. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Hi, welcome. Yes, I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you. Thanks. I'm glad you asked me. There we go. Okay, hold on. So let's talk a little bit about first, just kind of tell us about you and how you got into all of this and your passions and all that kind of stuff. Me. I know that's a big one. (laughs) Um, What about me? Well, I think the most important thing that I can say about me is that I'm just like every other person who's been through a lot of trauma And, um, I realized at some point along the way that it, it just could not be for nothing. It had to have a purpose. There was just no way that I was going to come to the earth and live this life and not somehow use the experiences to help other people through. Mm -hmm. So, um, my initial work was in birth work and I became a nurse and I was a hospice nurse. And then I, um, took a break from nursing to raise kids and started freelance writing. And that sort of just opened up a whole world of new opportunity for me. I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner and I love Mm -hmm. to just investigate different modalities. So I've settled on a few that really work for me. I really, really love human design. It's, it's, um, most people haven't heard of it. It's a really unique say, system. Tell us kind of what that is, because yeah, I had to I'll look give it you up. Quick, yeah, I'll give you a quick overview. It's basically, yeah. it's um, it's sort of an amalgamation of a few different systems, including mm-hmm. there's some astrology elements in there. There's elements of the I Ching. The I Ching is a lot of people don't know what the I Ching is. Mm-mm. It's the oldest recorded document. It's a five thousand year old um, divination system used by the Chinese. And what's crazy about the I Ching is. Um, it actually, the numbers and the way that it's set up actually mirrors the human genome. Mm, exactly. So that's one of those things. It's like. Right. Yeah, that, that gets your wheels turning. Yeah. Yeah. How did that, that work out? Mm-hmm. So there's each elements in there. There's um, some elements of the chakra system in there and elements of Kabbalah in there. And when you put them all together using your birth date, time and location, you essentially come up with something that I call the soul subway map, trademark, copyright. Um, it's an energetic map of your body that shows mm. the places where you magnetize other people to you. And it really gives you an incredible insight into what you're here on the earth to do. It's it's the most mm. useful tool I that I've ever that and I am a, <laughs> Yeah, and I am a scientist through and through. I yeah, am a, I'm yeah. a nurse and, and I'm medicine and you know, research is important to me, but when I found human design and I, I found it after my mom died, 
And my mom was um, an addict. She was, she had bipolar disorder. She took her own life. Um, and when I saw her chart, it her whole life made sense to me. All the puzzles really, came together. Yeah. All the pieces came immediately. Mm. It was like, oh my gosh, I get it. I get it. A hundred percent why she had oh, the yeah. life she did. And what's really interesting is then I ran her brother. Um, she mm -hmm. has several siblings, but she has one brother that also struggles with addiction and mental health issues. And so I was interested mm -hmm. to see what his chart looked like. And it's hers almost exactly. Wow. Same chart. Interesting. Yeah. So human design has become a big part of what I do to help people kind of get on the path. One mm -hmm. of the cool things about human design is it can kind of explain to you some of the stuff that might be happening in your life that feels very confusing. Um, these moments of like what, what I would call disruption, for example, mm -hmm. my house burning down yes. and now, and, and then me losing everything, being burned, mm -hmm. losing my mind. You, essentially, You went through some significant physical and I would assume mental. Yeah, I mean, just absolutely. Everything. Mm -hmm. And then I went into treatment, into PTSD uh, treatment inpatient for six weeks and came out and found out that my husband um, wanted a divorce and um, I wasn't ready for that, but yeah. I can look at my human design chart and I can see why it's happening. And so that does provide a measure of peace. So there's that. Yeah. It's almost like um, getting, getting closure in a sense, mm -hmm. like not, it doesn't yeah. answer all the questions I would imagine, but no, it kind of helps no. put, bring but some things into perspective. Yes. Mm -hmm. It creates mm -hmm. a map for you that makes that makes everything sort of add up. And, um, it's really, it's really incredible. So yeah, I utilize that. that. Yeah, we'll do that. I utilize, <laughs> um, a, a type of breath work called transformational breath work. It's a very particular type of breath work that intentionally activates your sympathetic nervous system in a safe space. Um, I don't have like my personal opinion of how this works, there's not scientific data to show this, but this is just what I think. Mm -hmm. I think when we experience a trauma, we hold it in our body and we store it right here, especially mm -hmm. grief. And we can't release it because our bodies want to protect us from pain. Mm -hmm. So transformational, this type of breath work allows you to activate your sympathetic nervous system and release those traumas in a controlled environment where you have someone supporting you and guiding you through it so that you're not just on your own. And, um, it can be super transformational for healing. Ah. The thing about it is, is that if you think about trauma, particularly childhood trauma, um, most of us don't remember anything before age four. Guess what? Trauma it's, still happens. Your, your body and your brain still remember those things. Yes. And the thing is, is that if your trauma happened when you were pre-verbal, guess what? Mm -hmm. You can't talk it out. Yeah. You can't talk it out. You have to feel it out because you didn't have words to put to it at that time. You can't put words to it now. You have to feel yeah. it out. And the only way to do mm -hmm. that is through somatic therapy. And one of those ways is breath work. So I love that. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I do, I do, I do life coaching and sort of utilize all of those, um, elements in there. And I've just really focused a lot on trauma because that's really a lot of where my own history is. Yeah. And so just going off of that, let's talk about, so you and I were talking earlier about the kind of the definition of trauma and obviously you can Google mm -hmm. the definition of trauma, but you'll find a lot of different right. explanations or definitions. Um, and so kind of talk with us about 
your definition and then I know you have big T, little T trauma. Um, yeah. Kind of tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think the most important thing, there's, there's a few things to remember about trauma. The first thing is that, that trauma is not the thing that happened to you. Trauma is not the fire. Trauma mm -hmm. is not the abuse. Trauma is not your parents telling you you're a worthless piece of garbage. Trauma is what happens in response to that event. That's the trauma. Mm -hmm. How so, it made you feel from a result of it. Right. And then as a result of that, the coping mechanisms that you develop to manage mm -hmm. that trauma. And there's so many different systems and ways to look at this. Um, there's internal family systems. There's DBT, CBT, REBT, like there's all different systems. All the letters. Look, <laughs> right. There's so many lenses to look through trauma at. But I think the most useful lens is the one that just simply says that trauma is individual to the person. It doesn't matter what other people's experience of the trauma is. It doesn't matter what their recollection of the trauma is. You can take three people who witness a traumatic event and their three stories will be different because we always evaluate everything through our own lens of experience in the world. You can take four kids in a family, five kids, six kids, and every single one of those kids will have a different experience of their childhood because they're viewing it through their own lens mm -hmm. and they each get a different parent too. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So the important thing to know about trauma is that a lot of people don't think that they've experienced trauma because they don't have some mm -hmm. sentinel event that happened. Mm -hmm. You know, their house didn't burn down, for example. But the thing is, is that little T traumas, mm -hmm. playground bullying, that can also actually be a big T trauma too. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, your parents praising you only for your grades. Mm -hmm. Those are also traumas. Mm -hmm. And they do a little T trauma repeated mm -hmm. does more damage than a big T trauma. And I'll tell you how I know that because I went through the most traumatic experience. My fire, my house burned down and I was in it and I'm fine mm -hmm. about the house. The reason is because I immediately managed it. I handled it. I did ketamine therapy. I did EMDR. I right away took care of it. Your body can yeah. clear it out. It's yeah. right there. You had all the, the small boxes. things that happened to you that add up the things that you don't even recognize. And the thing is, as parents, we can do our very, 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 very best. And our kids are still going to be traumatized mm -hmm. because the simple fact is kids have needs that need to be met at a rate that parents can't meet them. Yeah. And that's a micro trauma. A crying baby is a micro trauma. And that's what's so terrifying as a mom of three and my Zane is four. He'll be five in March. Benjamin is two. Mm -hmm. And Lainey Kate is eight months old. And it's like, dear God, they're all in that phase of don't ruin them. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is terrifying. I mean, the good news is kids are resilient. Yes, they are. And the other good news is we now know, right? Mm -hmm. We know so much about the way the body stores trauma. And we know so much about how to manage trauma that we can intervene earlier. Like if you look at my kids and I have one out of my, one out of my five has bipolar disorder and my mom died of bipolar disorder. Essentially, mm -hmm. I was undiagnosed and unmedicated for the first 38 years of my life, even though I was experiencing all bipolar, the all the things. My son was diagnosed and medicated at 18. Right. 
So he skipped all of those years of mood swings that screw up his life and leave him going, what am I, what did I do? I ran up all my credit cards. I'm broke. I cheated on my girlfriend. I wrecked my car, whatever. So we're getting so we're getting better and better and better and better at it. Not only just recognizing what traumas are, but managing them as they come up and then Mm -hmm. really helping our kids through them. And as a parent, your kids don't expect you to be perfect and they really don't. My kids have never been like, you ruined us. You know, I, I, I apologized. Well, and you know, it's interesting because I, I listen to all kinds of podcasts and one of the ones I listened to recently, um, it was Jody Sweeney um, from Full House. Um, Stephanie Tanner was talking about how her therapist was telling her, you know, it's okay to vocalize that you didn't get something from your parents that you needed, even though it wasn't an abusive situation or, you know, it doesn't make them bad parents. It made them learning parents. And it's just like you said, every kid gets a different parent, even though they have the same parents. Like mm-hmm. our oldest Berkeley, you know, she's 12 and and her parents were very young when they had her. And then Zane was my first and I had a year of, of undiagnosed postpartum. And so that was its own trauma. And then Benjamin, mm-hmm. I kind of figured it out. So then Benjamin got a different mom and then so on and so forth. And so it's really interesting yeah. how it all. Yeah. Oh, and every kid is different and you can think mm-hmm. you have it yeah. figured out Ooh. and then not. Isn't that the truth. Yeah. yeah. And then you, you can think, Oh, I got this down and then not, and then realize that you don't. And what's really weird and ironic is one of the things that I learned when I was in treatment about myself, one of the, one of the big light bulb aha moments was my younger kids. I have five kids, 28, 24, 23, 12, and 10. Those three older kids are from my first marriage. And the two younger ones are from my second marriage. Those three older kids that got the inexperienced mom who had undiagnosed, unmedicated bipolar disorder have less trauma than my younger kids do. And here's why. Because of my trauma responses. So let me lay it out for you, right? Yeah. The best way for human beings to manage trauma, let's say, for example, you went to the Amazon and you came upon a group of people that were not in contact with the outside world and something traumatic happened, uh, a, some big event. There was a, people died, whatever. There was a fire. Mm-hmm. You would see that the way that these um, indigenous people handle things like that as a community, and you would see that healing. You would see how the community comes around the traumatized person, how they mm-hmm. minister and administer to them, how they use whatever remedies, medicines, whatever, um, psychedelics even, Mm -hmm. how they use rhythm, how important rhythm is for regulating our nervous systems, right? And you would see that healing happens in those communities without the assistance of medication, psychiatrists, Mm -hmm. because they just innately know what to do. We've lost our connection, and human connection is the way that we most actively regulate our nervous systems and Mm -hmm. thus manage and recover from trauma. So in my first marriage, I married my high school sweetheart who was like the most even keel person on the planet. The man is like still to this day, to this day, (laughs) he's like, he's like a flat line. He's like, Uh boop every now and then little one, boop. He never was mad. He (laughs) He never said anything mean to me. 
our marriage was kind of lifeless. But also, he had a big family, and his family was my family. Now, my mom was an addict, right? Then my dad was not around. His family, his mom was my mom, his dad was my dad, his sisters are my sisters. I had, I walked into this huge nuclear family, and we were Mormon. So we had a huge network of people at church. Yeah, yeah. That we went to every single week. And those people were regulated. So my dysregulated nervous system from childhood trauma was mirroring off of the neurons of everybody around me. Then I had a manic episode and I left him. And when I left him, I had already left the church. He and I had left the church together. But when I left him, and when you, lo- when you leave the Mormon church, it's social suicide. You lose everything. You yeah. lose all your friends. Yeah. It's over. You're done. Period. So I lost yeah. all my friends. And then I lost his family and then I lost him. And then I married a man that was not the yang to my yin. He was Mm. the yin to my yin or the yang Mm. to my yang. And he has a lot of anxiety and his anxiety, and he is probably OCD. I don't know, but the way that his trauma, if you look at it through a lens of internal family systems where you have like these parts of your parts of you that come to the rescue to protect you, right? What they call mm-hmm. the firefighters. Yes. If you look at it that way and the firefighters are coming in, right? He had mm-hmm. all these firefighters coming in. And so what was happening? My firefighters were coming yeah. in or my managers, there's which was a battle. The- <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's a battle and there's a battle. And guess what? There's no winner. There's no winner. Mm-hmm. So what happened it's is I went from this environment to an environment where my nervous system was in a constant state of dysregulation, literally for 10 years. We would fight. And when you have trauma that's unresolved, your your ability to get back to baseline is reduced. So a normal person, normal, setting on the washing yeah. machine, yeah. A, person who's not, a person whose nervous system is not dysregulated can experience mm-hmm. a small trauma and go back, a car accident. Uh, recover. That's not necessarily small trauma, but you know what I mean? They can re-regulate. Sure. They can have a disagreement mm-hmm. with their spouse and in 20 minutes or a half an hour or an hour, they're back to baseline. Mm-hmm. A person who's already at a level seven, who experiences the trauma that puts them at a 10, it's like the Richter scale. You're yeah. not going back. It takes me four days to regulate. And guess what? We were fighting more than every four days. Yeah. So my and kids, just- even though on that, Outside, mm-hmm. right? I was doing great. Yeah. Kids, three teenagers. I was going to all their events, all their things, showing up, breastfeeding, co sleeping, nursing till they were two and a half, home birthing, all the right things, baby wearing, mm-hmm. front and back, both of them. Like I went, mm. I did it all. I did it all the best I could. But it didn't matter mm-hmm. because your energy leaks out. The harder you push it down, the more it leaks out. And the less you release it, the more it has to go somewhere. And guess what? Your mm-hmm. kids know. Eventually, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my kids grew up with, and mo- they don't know how to regulate their nervous systems because mine was never regulated. To this day, those two children cannot regulate their nervous systems. They're both in therapy. And I did yeah. that to them. It's interesting that you say that now, now that I'm thinking back on my own situations because, so we've talked about this. Um, on previous episodes and you and I talked about it earlier and you said something that 
I had literally have written in big, bold letters to remember to bring up. So I am ADHD. Mm-hmm. I've been all my, have been all my life, was not diagnosed until I was an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, have tried every route of everything until this year, um, started medication and finally found something I was successful on and worked for me. Zane, mm-hmm. uh, my four-year-old, we are fairly certain, is also. Um, however, what I'm learning over time, and ironically through this podcast, not just this one, but all episodes, is the number of times that I say, I have ruined relationships over time mm-hmm. over not being able to just get over the little things or the stupid mm-hmm. things to other people. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, I married... Um, an extremely non-confrontational individual <laughs> nice. who Good regularly, choice. who regularly is like, I wish I could just give you a little bit of my chill mode. And I'm like, yeah, you and me both dude. But, yeah. but I have, but then Zane will do something and just lose his ever loving mind. <clears throat> right. Like he's clearly dysregulated. And that is a huge trigger for me. It makes mm-hmm. me so frustrated. Mm-hmm. But the irony is he is literally doing what I do in four-year-old form. Mm-hmm. And so right now our world uh, apparently um, is in a shortage of my medication. We have recently learned. And so I have not had it since Friday, which is why oh. I have all these things written down here. Good choice. <laughs> to keep you on track. To keep you on track. Good job. Proud of you. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, I told Tyler, I said, I did not realize how easily I become, became overstimulated or dysregulated, which I'm very familiar with working in a special education world. I'm familiar with it to everybody else. I had not really recognized and applied it to myself up to this point. And so now I'm quickly seeing things. And what I'm realizing is I have a hard time teaching Zane how to regulate because I have not quite learned how to regulate. But then mm-hmm. I go to work and yeah. I'm actually a behavior specialist teaching special education students how to regulate <laughs> and teaching right. their staff how to help them. And I'm really good at it there, but for whatever reason, I can't do it for myself and my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever seen so, a housekeeper's house? <laughs> uh, well, no, that's a good point though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how does that, when, when our kids, we've talked about this in previous episodes, I call it a trigger. I have some friends who say that that word scares them to use, but my children trigger me. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that my children do that really just make, sorry guys, make me lose my shit. <laughs> and I have not figured out why yet. Um, I know in working with my counselor, one of the things that she said, you have to realize the entire first year of Zane's life, with undiagnosed postpartum, your brain was telling you all of his needs were a disservice. That was, that was ruining your life, that you had to help him with that. And so I'm still like retraining my brain. My children need something that that's not necessarily a bad thing, um, which is a really difficult thought to go through because by the end of the day, you're kind of like, okay, well, that makes you feel like a great parent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what, what are some ways um, that we can recognize you know, th- I mean, obviously, I know when my kid does something that annoys me or pisses me off, but when it is a true trigger that is maybe a trauma response from something when we were kids or, you know, and how to kind of start recognizing those things so that we can better ourselves in parenting. Well, the first thing that I want to say 
is that um, it's really worth looking into the work of Gabor Mate. Mm -hmm. His most recent book, which is called The Myth of Normal, is a great summary of many of his books, but he wrote a book called Scattered Minds. And his view of ADHD is that ADHD itself is a trauma response. I'm glad it's multi-generational written down. I wanted yeah, to talk about it's that. multi-generational family stress. And the reason it develops is because children are trying to get their needs met. Right? Human beings, our primary goal in life is to avoid pain first to survive. And if you have a parent that's mentally ill, an addict, mm. depressed, whatever, what are you going to have to do to get that parent to meet your needs, right? Mm. And that might mean that you might need to be flexible to the parent's behaviors, which mm -hmm. might mean that you're jumping around. I don't want to like delve too deeply into that, but it's worth looking into because yeah. it's a really useful explanation. I think. Well, I found it really interesting when you mentioned it earlier, because one thing that everyone in my inner circle is aware of is I really lose my, my marbles when someone shushes me and not like in a mm -hmm. rude way, but like if I like if somebody's like, hey, you're being really loud or whatever, which happens frequently. Um, I lose it. I, it is like my mm -hmm. kaboom. And what I figured out over time later, it's that or if I'm told to quit being dramatic, um, what that has taught, what I have learned um, is those are things that were done to me as a child. And that's not to knock my parents. I probably would have shushed me too. But, you know, every report card was that I talked too much. Every, and here I am doing a podcast. And every, you know, yes, exactly. And so, yeah. but it, it was, it was turned into this negative, yeah. or she can't be still, or she can't do this, or she can't do that. And and when that happens with Zane, like the other day, he's, he's a wonderful teacher. She's incredible. And she's very flexible with him and his constant need to move. But he was dead set on wearing his cowboy boots the other day. And in his, <laughs> in his folder, it said that he's having a really hard time being still during nap time, which he never takes a nap. So, you know, this is common. And I asked him and right. he says, he says, well, it's just that my boots are a bit noisy. And I was like, are you tapping them? <laughs> he was like, are you walking well, them on the floor? Well, yeah, yeah. Are you? And he was like, well, yeah. And I was like, okay, so they are noisy, but maybe it's because we're making them that way. Right. But so yeah. I've, I've, she's wonderful in giving him that flexibility. Um, and it's something that I, I don't have a lot of memory of my educators. Um, I remember fourth grade because we moved in fourth grade right in the middle of the school year. So I have vivid mm -hmm. memories from about that point on. But it always makes me wonder about my educators prior to that. And obviously my parents too, but let's face it, right. where are you if you're in public education for the vast majority of your life? You're yeah. in class. Yeah. And let's, let's for just a moment divert mm -hmm. to discuss public education. Because the thing about public education is that public education was not designed to educate mm -hmm. children. That was not its purpose. Public mm -hmm. education was designed to create industrial workers mm -hmm. when America became an industrialized nation. It was designed to create people who are obedient. Mm -hmm. And the trouble with that is 
is that highly intellectual people are almost never obedient. Yeah. Because their it's brains true. do not want them to they sit don't still. Think that way. Mm-hmm. No. And as time goes on, right, and we see more and more neurodiversity, what we call mm-hmm. neurodiversity, right? This neurological diversity is this is an anthropological developmental change that's happening in our world because we need new ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to die as a species if we don't figure stuff out. We're going to overpopulate the planet. We've got more. We've got nowhere to go. We need people like that, right? Yeah. So that's the first thing: is that yeah, public education, while it is so necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, then you, then I go down. Then I get into capitalism, yeah. and we can't go. Down. Yeah. It's so necessary, <laughs> right? Because people have to work and pay their bills. Yes. Well, so, and, there, and there's a huge handful of teachers too that that you hear. I'm in education because of this teacher who was wonderful to me and was did all this. And I strive to be that mm-hmm. to these kids right. or you get, I'm here to not be that teacher from fourth grade right. to mm-hmm. those kids. Um, Oddly enough, and, my fourth grade teacher was terrible. Also, she was terrible. I didn't love my, she, uh, uh, one particular, I had multiple. She, my she like grade teacher me. though. Shout yeah. out to Miss Kirk. Miss Kirk raised. Uh, I don't Mm-hmm. I mean, we run into those teachers that really see us and help us. I had a couple of those. Mm. I had my my German teacher in high school was one of those people who really saw me for who I was and refused to let me fail on, mm-hmm. you know, just because I was afraid because I moved mm-hmm. to a new high school. Um, but, you know, also, side note, we need to do your human design because your human design will probably tell me why you feel this thing with the with the being shushed. Because mm-hmm. this happens a lot with certain types of people in human design. They get shushed a lot. Um, and it can be really interesting to look at your kids compared to you because the way that you energetically interact mm-hmm. can be one of the reasons why he triggers you. There can be an energetic connection there that's a trigger. The other mm-hmm. thing is that our kids reflect back to us so much of what we are. <laughs> and is a walking Andrea, I'll tell you that. <laughs> And what is, what is it really in you that's triggered? What's in you that's triggered is probably, I don't know how to raise this kid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so what's triggered in you isn't about you as much as it is about your fear of failure or your fear of being unable to do what your parents were also unable to do or your teachers were unable mm-hmm. to do. Or it's that cycle of, holy shit, you've just put something in my lap that I can't manage. Mm-hmm. And you're... I don't and you know did not what... sit at home with a manual. You just put it there and said, keep it alive. No. Like, you, you gave just... me no instruction. You just said, yes, keep me alive and don't put me outside mm-hmm. in the cold. Like yeah. our kids are going to trigger us in so many ways. They can trigger us because, I mean, I have a kid who triggers me because she acts like my mom. She says things to me that my mom would say to me. And I'm that, like, yeah. That's a mind, that's a whole thing right there. Uh-huh. But there's so many different ways our kids can trigger us. And I think one of the one of the, the best things that you can do for yourself is to show yourself grace. Like literally just be like, okay, yeah. dude, nobody, first of all, a lot of people aren't talking about it because they don't want to say it, right? But most of us don't know what we're doing. Oh yeah, 100%. And the, we the lost, we're lost do, around here. <laughs> Yeah, they're probably mm-hmm. faking it. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, I wrote parenting columns for years, and still I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm just figuring it out. The only thing I have on you is I've done it longer. And yeah. I had a lot, yeah. of, you know, I had more kids or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, your 
kids are going to bring out those things in you, the, all the hardest parts, because they're calling you out to heal yourself too. I really do think that our kids, our kids are a gift to us in that way where you can look at Zane, you can change that perspective, right? And you can look at Zane as Andrea. Oh, oh, okay. Zane is Andrea. And I'm pushing little Andrea away because I don't want to accept that about her. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to know. I don't want to acknowledge that she wasn't heard. I don't want to think about the pain I felt as a child because people told me to be quiet. Mm -hmm. I'm pushing her away. And then Zane steps in as Andrea. And what does mm. your body want to do? It wants you to avoid that pain. It doesn't want to go there. It doesn't want to feel it. It doesn't even want to look at it. Mm -mm. Meanwhile, little Andrea is in here going, hi, excuse me. I feel me. here. <laughs> um, you're still telling me to be quiet. Hello. Shh. And you're like, be quiet, Andrea. <laughs> I'm sorry. There are so many family VHS recorded videos out there in the world of me, of them videotaping somebody else and me in the background going, hey, hi, I'm over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah. and you know, Zane is the emotional side of it. And mm -hmm. Benjamin is the stubborn side of it. I was the kid that I, I, if if I was told not to do it, I did it. If I was told we don't do that, I tested it. I went to figure out why. Uh, and Benjamin is the just look you dead in the face and go, no, mm -hmm. no, not doing that. And and is the, I mean, like, even in the last month, he is the final straw of trying to figure out, like, why doesn't this work on you? Like, and I don't want to be a parent that, and I say this loosely, but it's really easy to go. If you don't do that, you're not going to get this. I don't want you to make a decision out of fear. Right. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, it's like my, I'm the, I'm a yeller parent. <laughs> not mm -hmm. what I want to be, but I am. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm quick to snap. Mm -hmm. I, you know, when I first started with Berkeley, Berkeley was five when we got married, I guess 12 now. And you know, we went on a vacation once and, I don't remember if it was my mom and my sister said something to the regard of, of it's, it's okay. Like it's fine that she does that. And it, I guess they thought that I was being nitpicky and I am later now that I look back, but mm -hmm. I kept thinking, okay, but why am I nitpicky to her? Like I'm nitpicky to her for a reason. <laughs> there's, mm -hmm. there's something there, but mm -hmm. it, it's very interesting when we allow ourselves, because I think we hide from it and we allow mm -hmm. ourselves to look back on our lives when we feel like we don't have big two traumas. I wasn't mm -hmm. abused. I wasn't, I wasn't this. I didn't experience divorce. I didn't, you know, X, Y, Z. I didn't experience that. Your little T traumas are still, are still there. And mm -hmm. identifying those, I think is what kind of opens the door to allow us to mm -hmm. translate ourselves sometimes. Yeah. If that makes and sense. And I hear it. And I mean, how long have we been on the on this call? It's half an hour. And I can tell you right now that your trauma is that you felt unheard. Mm -hmm. And why do you have a podcast? <laughs> People will hear you. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's literally, mm -hmm. and we well, vilify that. And I'm the same way, so I get it. Yeah. I'm well, and it's way. literally in also. the definition. It's literally in the definition of the podcast. The very first line is that we want moms to feel understood and to feel heard. 
that they are not by themselves. That when you wake up and you think, my kid is a jerk today, <laughs> it's okay to say that out loud. And you're not the only one in the world that feels that way. But for whatever reason, we don't, we don't do that for moms. We don't do that for each other. Because we feel we don't want to do that because we feel we've been trained. It's like the mother wound of like, you're supposed to respect your mom. Mm -hmm. We have this thing where we don't want to say bad things about our moms. We, we don't want to say bad things about our kids because we feel like if we say, I regret this, like it's just going to be taken from us. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. we're going to lose it. I wrote an article once about regretting having kids having, and people were like, your kids are going to read this. And I was like, okay, fine. Guess what? My mm -hmm. kids are going to have kids mm -hmm. and they're probably going to regret it too. Like there's times in yeah. your life where you're, <laughs> there will come a time. You're going to look around and go, what did I do? Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. And that's okay. And, and where we get into trouble is where we, when we say those feelings aren't okay. And we yeah. start making people feel we bad for them those. Because, and they compress them. And what happens to a compressed feeling? A feeling wants to be heard. So the harder you push come it down, out eventually. the harder it punches back at you. It's okay. It is okay to look at your kids and say, you are being a jerk. Like literally <laughs> you can, you know, yes. it is okay yes. because they are jerks sometimes. And parenting is the hardest thing you will ever do. If you did not at some point during your parenting journey, look at your kids and go, why did I do this? Yeah. I would question you, honestly. Yes. I would be like, I have more yes. questions for you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because that's the reality. The reality is, is that this is a hard road and you haven't traveled it and you're going, you're, you're walking it without a map. So you're, you yeah. know, the best you can hope for is that there's somebody up in front of you that's like, come this mm -hmm. way. Over here. Yeah, I'm over here. I'm over here. It's probably me or you going, we're right. over here. <laughs> over here. Turn left. Because it's, but that, it, it is hard. It is mm -hmm. hard. And well, and then we are now in a world of social media, which can be oh. beautiful and awesome and wonderful, but it can also be the world's worst mm -hmm. ever. Yes. And, yep. you know, that was one of the first episodes we recorded uh, was with a dear friend of mine and her son is autistic and ADHD. And she said, I would go to the doctor and I would literally start out by saying, please don't call CPS when I tell you like what we're dealing with with him right now or like what's happened or like. You know, he found a knife last week or whatever, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and we get, you know, later we were talking and she said, I cannot tell you after getting off of that, I realized that because I was on a podcast and nobody was looking at me, you know, and mm -hmm. I just felt safe to be able to say that. And that's wonderful. And then it went live and it was like, I had six moms who were like, oh my gosh, thank God. Like, it's not, it's not just me. It's not okay. Other moms feel this way. Like I'm not by myself. And I'm like, no. I, there's a ton of us. Like there's, there's a freaking lot of us. Oh, <laughs> we're, I assure all you, we're all walking I around assure playing you. where's Waldo. Like right. whatever, <laughs> whatever feeling you're having, there is another mom somewhere having that same feeling mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. I promise. I promise. I promise. Mm. Yes. I have, you Absolutely. Know, I, it's, it's okay. It's, it's okay. that It's hard. And you can give yourself permission to say it's hard and you can say you don't know what you're doing and that's okay too. You don't have to. And guess what? You can do your best and mess up. And still, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's going to be okay. Cause look, I have three grown kids. I have a grandchild now mm. who's like the best thing ever. And when yeah. I watch my daughter mother, this baby, mm. I go, Oh my God. I didn't remember. 
she made it. She did it. (laughs) Not only did she survive, she's an incredible mother. Now that's not me, right? She's doing that. But clearly I didn't. They're all successful. All three of them are happy, well-adjusted, successful human beings who are having relationships with other people who set boundaries, who have great self-care, who mm-hmm. know how to ask for what they want, and they've done their uh-huh. own work. But also part of that was me saying, hey, I did my best. And there's some places where I know that I failed and I'm sorry. And it, finally, well, after a few years, my kids were like, can you stop apologizing? We know you're fine. It's okay. We got now. it. We got it. Okay. Well, and I think we're good, mom. Sometimes our world tells us like, oh, don't tell your, your child if they hurt your feelings or that made mm-hmm. me sad when. And while mm-hmm. I understand the logic there, I also think it's important, like for me personally, I think it's important for Zane to know that that hurt my feelings. I think it's important for Zane to know that my heart was sad from what you said or did and not to mm-hmm. guilt them, but because in reality, three years from now, they're going to do it again. And right. And they need to, or it's going to happen to them yeah. and, and to create that sympathy or that empathy or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, the situation is. Um, and yeah. so how do you, um, social emotional learning? Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. came across Slumberkins. Don't know if you've ever heard of them. Mm-hmm. They were created by a, for those who don't know, they were created by, I believe she's a play therapist and then a special education teacher. Um, we have them all. I bought them all. <laughs> Every single freaking one. Because they had a huge Black Friday sale, and that's what they got for Christmas. But when I tell you that I find myself (laughs) utilizing these stupid books, (laughs) these board books that are clearly designed for young children, we'll be reading a book, and there are times at the end of every book where your child repeats you. So, you know, if Hammerhead the Shark's trying to calm down, we are telling him what to say, and they are repeating it. And it Mm -hmm. all, it never fails. We get to the end, and we're doing that, and I'm like, this. This is what, one, this should be curriculum in the schools. Two, Mm -hmm. if we ever choose to homeschool, this is our primary uh, focus to start. But three, Mm -hmm. to just do that together. Like Zane thinks he's just repeating you. But to do that together, whether you use them or anything else for that matter, affirmations or whatever, it's very very eye-opening and very therapeutic to to do that with your children and to know that you are teaching them something productive. Yes. And the thing is, is that we know, I've got to grab my chart. (laughs) We know that kids will do what they see. They don't do what they're told. They do what they're shown. And if you want your kids to learn to regulate their emotions, you show them how to regulate your own. If you want your kids to be safe and okay with all the feelings that they're having, then you have to be willing to sit in your own feelings and say, I am sad. I am scared. I am worried. I am. I mean, of course, age appropriate, right? You're not going to talk to your kids about you can't pay your bills or, but you need to be willing to share your feelings with your child so that your child knows that there are no feelings that aren't acceptable. The big one that we don't want people, we don't want people to be angry. We don't like anger's bad. No, there's nothing wrong with anger. Anger is your body trying to fulfill a need. Right? Anger is quite is very often your body, you're fine, thinking that it needs to protect you, right? So so we tell our kids, hey, guess what? It's okay to be angry. What's not okay 
is when you hit someone, mm-hmm. right? Or when you, whatever you, and you set that example of what healthy anger looks like, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about how to regulate those emotions. Again, we're mirroring, we're, we're, we're constantly in a state of mirroring everyone in our environment. This is why when you walk into a room, for those who are not familiar with mirror neurons, it's literally neurons from the people around you syncing up with yours. So when you walk into a room and you say, I like the vibes in here, those are that's mirror neurons. When you walk into a room and you have an icky feeling, that's also mirror neurons telling you get out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if we want our kids to be learning how to manage their emotions, to be learning how to regulate their nervous system, we have to be doing it for ourselves. And th- it's never too late to do that. My kids yeah. are, my younger kids are 10 and 12. And they learned with me how to activate the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the main nerve that runs down the center of your body. The activation of the vagus nerve activates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the opposite of your fight or flight. That's your rest and digest. So if you want to, if you want to activate your vagus nerve in a minute, all you have to do is breathe in through your nose for four, hold it for two, and exhale out of your mouth through pursed lips for eight. If you don't like four, you can do five and ten, but the exhale needs to be twice as long as the inhale. As the inhale. And that stimulates the vagus nerve. You can also gargle. You can hum. Say, isn't can... this gargling? Okay, wait. Yeah. Say that again. You can hum. You can gargle. You can hum. You can sing. You can tap. And what is this doing? Calming? This is, this is all activating your vagus nerve. And your vagus nerve, it sends the signals to your brain uh-huh. to release all the calm hormones. So my two-year-old recently started humming, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. Let like, him do it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> And we mm-hmm. just noticed over the weekend, and his teacher was like, you know, I mean, He's got, because he, he, he's at daycare and she was like, he's, I mean, you know, there's eight other kids in the class. She was like, but now that you, now that you say that, yeah, he does hum a lot. And I never mm-hmm. really knew why. Well, I, our assumed, bodies, I assumed he was creating white noise for himself, to be really honest. <laughs> our bodies know. And it's really interesting because we train, we'll train those things out mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's not acceptable. One yeah. of the one of the key things in human design is that there's one type that answers questions through their through their literally their body, right? And the answers come mm-hmm. out as a sound, uh-huh or uh-uh. Those kids who answered uh-huh or uh-uh were often told it's rude to say that. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. No, and ma'am. then and then you've cut them off from the way they need to make decisions. Now you've got adults that can't make decisions because they can't say uh-huh. So our kids are inherently wise with what to do with their nervous systems. We train it out of them because it's not acceptable behavior. Think about stimming for Mm -hmm. autistic kids, rocking. Mm -hmm. What is that? That is nervous system regulation. Regulation. Mm -hmm. Drumming, tapping. Those kids constantly moving. Yes. Shaking your leg. This is all, it's all rhythmic nervous system regulation. The use of stimulating the vagus nerve and knowing that skill is that when you find yourself activated, when you find Mm. yourself in a state of fight or flight, this just happened to me literally right before we got on the call. Mm. I had a disagreement with my husband dropping the child off. I came home dysregulated. I had an EMDR session with my therapist. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the session, we were not able to finish it out because my time was up. 
And I was like, I have 15 minutes before I need to get on this call. And I need to be a human being who can speak English. Mm. Understood. What am I going to do? My nervous system is, my heartbeat is 140 beats a minute. I am sweating. I feel like I'm going to throw up. What am I going to do? I'm going to utilize the skills I have to activate my vagus nerve. I'm going to do my breathing. I'm going to get something warm to drink because that also, because it runs down the center, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to do some, play some music while all this is going on, right? So I'm breathing. The music's mm-hmm. playing. I'm making the drink. I'm dancing to the music. These mm-hmm. are all yeah. nervous system regulation activities that get my nervous system back in to balance or close, mm-hmm. right? When so these would be primary skills. things. Yeah. Well, I was, I was just going to say, these would be primary things to remember when you're at you the store and, and your kid is losing their mind or, or maybe they're not. Like for me, my kid's just being loud in the store, which the irony yeah. is the fact that I don't like being shushed now. My kid's just being loud in my thought process gets me so worked up. Yep. And they're really and not. Just, like everybody's like, oh my gosh, they're so cute. And I'm like, I'm about to lose it. And you and start. These reading. are things that can easily be done anywhere, anywhere. No one needs to know that you're counting four to eight when you breathe. And when literally it became a joke in treatment because I taught this to everyone there and everyone, when they graduated, be like four to eight, four to eight. <laughs> you, just, you can do it anywhere. You can do yes. it anywhere. And it takes one minute. Mm-hmm. If That's you want to get I had a panic. Extra, you can do two. Mm-hmm. I had a panic attack at church once. And still to this day, don't know why, but thank God, a dear, dear friend of mine who is an LTC and specializes in trauma was there. And I literally, I literally went and got her out of the choir loft. My dad's a music minister out of the choir loft and was like, I, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's happening. I had never had one before. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's wrong. I'm like sobbing in the audience. I don't know what's, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. And we literally went into a closet with no light. And mm-hmm. we did, I think she called it, five, the, it was basically what you're saying, but it was like five and five. So we breathed in for five, mm-hmm. held it for five, blew out for five, did it five times. Yeah. 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 Then she said, okay, when you're ready to go, you know, and you go back, I want you to focus on your senses. So like I, you know, pews in churches, they have that fun material, whatever yeah. the material is. So when, we anytime can't. I get that way, yeah, yeah. Anytime I get that way, I, that's what I do. I rub you know, the, mm-hmm. the seat or wherever I am, mm-hmm. my sweater, my hair, whatever. And I just hyper-focus yeah. on, on my senses, and that's, what I hear, what I smell. Mm-hmm. And that's ground. And that's, and grounding is another, what, I mean, yeah. And, Putting, and that's what Zane comes home one day and he, he got mad about something and he goes, mm-hmm. and he's like, mm-hmm. and I was like, uh, excuse me, what are you doing? Like, I'm here mm-hmm. for it, but what are we doing? And he said, and box breathing. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm here for you that. Fingers. You can do up and mm-hmm. down your fingers like this. Kids, mm-hmm. I mean, schools are getting better about teaching kids these, yes. these interventions, but you know, we don't necessarily know them. Right. So we can't employ Right. Them. There's a generational gap there. Yeah. And so that's what has been so interesting is I think we, we stopped going play. I mean, COVID happened. And so we really stopped going places. Right. But Everybody like we said. stopped going places as moms because yeah. it's either I feel like I can't control the situation at hand, mm-hmm. my children, whatever, mm-hmm. um, or I'm going to panic the whole time I'm there. For I have a friend of mine who the whole time she's out and about, she's in a full-fledged panic of where are my kids, yeah. where are my kids, right. where are my kids. 
I go and I almost don't have enough. Like Lady Kate was a week old and we loaded up all of my kids and went to Walmart and got groceries. And Mm -hmm. I drove the bus of a cart, you know, with the two and Mm -hmm. the one and the, and by the time we left, I was so overstimulated and it was probably Mm -hmm. the last thing that I needed to do. But Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I can do that. I can do Mm -hmm. that. No, I mean, we have to eat like we convince ourselves like I have to do this when the reality is I probably could have waited an hour and gone later with like one kid. And and we we allow ourselves to believe we have to. Yes, this is cultural. And it's I've talked about this before. It's this it's this idea of suffering being Mm -hmm. somehow better if we're suffering. I literally call it suffer culture. We it's like the less sleep you get better. The more hours you work, yeah. the better. The more kids, you, no, no, we need to stop that. We need yeah. to stop that. Your product, your productivity, and your the work more I'm human, home, the better. The more I do this, right. the better. The no. yeah, no, 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 and you have we have to stop comparing ourselves to each other because we don't know. You know, we have the, we have this window of tolerance, right, in our ability to handle stressors. And Mm -hmm. if you have a regulated nervous system, your window of tolerance might be quite wide. Mm -hmm. Uh, My window of tolerance is is very narrow. Um, It's (laughs) widening. But yeah, it's very narrow. And so I was doing, I was holding it together after the fire and I was doing okay, even through my injuries, even through the wound in my back that was open for months, even through all of that and the kids and the dog's dead and we can't build a house and we don't have enough insurance and the whole thing. And then one thing happened and I snapped. And my uh, psych teacher in nursing school, bless her heart, gold Donna, she used to say, <laughs> she used to say when, when we were in the psych hospital, she would say, never forget, you are one crisis from admission. We are all one crisis. We just don't know which crisis it is. Yeah. And when I snapped and I'm almost 50 years old and I've managed my whole life up to this point without any inpatient mental health treatment. And I, my nervous system collapsed. I could not get up. There was no choice. There was no choice. I tried, I tried to take my life. I, I literally could not move. And I could very easily look around and say, look at all this person who went through this and they're fine. And look at that person who went through yep. that and they're fine. And look at that. It doesn't matter because my trauma is not real trauma me. or cause it's not exactly. like theirs. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that happens in treatment too. You'll have people in a room that are all there for different types of, of, you know, Mm -hmm. trauma. And they'll be like, oh, I don't deserve to be here because my trauma is not as bad as yours. It doesn't matter because it's all relative. It's like having one, when people say, oh, wait till you have three kids. Guess what? If you don't only have one kid, one kid's hard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. When you have two, two's hard. Okay. It's hard times two. It's just, you know. (laughs) You can't look at a mom who has one kid and go, wait till you have two. Because guess what? She's never had to. to. She doesn't know. Mm -hmm. One is hard. That's the thing to remember is that all of our experiences in life are relative and you cannot judge a person's ability to get through their day based on what you see right here because Mm -hmm. you just don't know. And you're like, what happened to you that day in church with the panic attack? It's very likely that something occurred that triggered that fight or fight response in you that was ignited a trauma that you don't remember. Mm -hmm. A smell, a sound, a song. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's not to be explained. Mm-hmm. 
It's really not. It's only to be managed when we start trying to get into, well, I have to understand why this is happening and I need to, nope, mm -mm, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that it is happening. And how to and support you yourself have the in it. You need to get through it. Mm -hmm. So right? what, last question, yes. what would be, for those of us with spouses or rather single parent or not, whoever that support person is, mm -hmm. you know, married, not, what, so my husband is constantly trying to figure out, what do I do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. How how can our, our support people, whoever that mm -hmm. person is, spouse, sister, friend, how can they be most helpful to us? And because sometimes we don't know. No. You know, sometimes I can don't. tell you, but sometimes, most of the time we don't know, but we mm -hmm. have these people in our lives who want so badly to help us. And, mm -hmm. and that day Tyler was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and he didn't know yeah. how to help me. Mm -hmm. I had, a, and it I wasn't a until a doctor, it wasn't until right. a doctor said, these are the things we're looking for. And if mm -hmm. these things happen, it's serious and we need to move forward. And Tyler was like, Oh, I need to be watching for that. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. this is where we're at in this. Um, and so how, how can we kind of educate those who want to help? So there's, there's a couple how. of things. The first thing is that, um, I'll tell you, I had a panic attack last week. I was, I got, I came the night I came home from California. I had been away from my partner who I know that I'm divorcing. Mm -hmm. And when I saw him, I, I lost it. Um, I went to my office to be alone and it continued to devolve. I went into fight or flight. I started breaking things. I was completely out of control and then I couldn't breathe and I was on the floor. And he was like, I don't know what to do for you. So he went and got yeah. my daughter, my oldest daughter, who thankfully she's a doula. So mm -hmm. the thing is, is that these are conversations to have before the panic happens, if it's happened already, right? If it's happened once and you know that there's a thing, right? Then it's, mm -hmm. then it, these are the symptoms to watch for. And these are the interventions to take. <clears throat> and if nothing else, if the person can do nothing for you, they can get an ice pack and put it on your chest which will just change the nervous system response. They can put a cold rag on you. They can put your hands in cold water. They can get right in your face and breathe with you. Inhale four, exhale eight. Inhale four, exhale eight. You know, activate that. If you can't do that, if that's too complicated, just breathe in and out. At the, when Kelsey came in, she literally was just like, I was like, <laughs> and she was like, uh -huh. just breathe. Get in my face and breathe, right? Say, I've always heard that that breathing is contagious, like a yawn or mm -hmm. or something like that. That if you will do that while holding your child when they're in mm -hmm. like a, a a bit or or struggling, that you doing it in turn mm -hmm. is contagious. Yes. I always wondered if that was true. You're right, it is. And the other thing is, if you're counting, your mind is, is shifting. Right, you're putting your mind into a different state. This mm -hmm. is one of the reasons that Lamaze works because you're putting your oh, mind into yeah. a different state. If you're counting your breath, your mind has to go to a different, it needs to go to your right side. brain. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so you're, you're just routing the pathways differently. So mm -hmm. the combination of stimulating just any change in the nervous system, right? Ice, warmth, mm -hmm. cold, drag, whatever, the breathing, like all of those things will eventually come together. And then I think another really helpful thing is to have going in, a, a sort of a mantra 
for me through this experience of the divorce, which has been a very serious activation of my nervous system because mm -hmm. it was a rug ripped out from under me that I didn't expect on top of a lot of other trauma. And so I have spent a lot of the last couple of months in fight or flight. So one of the most important things for me is to know I'm going to be okay. And so my daughter can say to me, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Or whatever it is. See, and this is going to say, And see, for me, Tyler has to say, you are safe. Because safe. if you tell me you're, you're okay, I'm like, the, I am. Like, <laughs> it, it just makes me more mad almost. And so mm -hmm. we have had to find over time that is different for everybody. Everybody has a different statement because what, you know, for somebody to be able to say you are okay, works great for you. For right. me, I'm like, uh, you want to bet? Like, uh, I've, right. I've got all these things that are proving otherwise. <laughs> um, and so I think that that I mean, is. I mean, some of them yeah. are, you know, that's going to be exclusive to the situation, but telling someone they're mm -hmm. safe and telling someone they're okay, they're not going to die. Because a lot of times that's yeah, what panic yeah, is. It feels like that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're not, you can, you are able to breathe. Mm -hmm. You are breathing. And, and a lot of times when people are in panic, they'll say, I'm not, I can't, I can't, but you, you know, are, labor. Cause you're talking. Uh -huh. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, I remember that. I through all of Benjamin. <laughs> who strangled me while she was in labor. She took my stethoscope and just like <laughs> around Bless my neck. It. And she was like, oh, you don't know what this feels like. And I was like, oh, I do. And that's the way we <laughs> got it. This many times. You said, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this over and over and over again. So sometimes you have to figure it out. But these are things to do ahead of time, right? So that when the crisis occurs, you're prepared. And yeah. then I think I would be remiss if I didn't include, if someone ever expresses a desire to no longer exist or to end their life, that is not something to be toyed with. You mm -hmm. manage that and you that do so real. immediately. Mm -hmm. And you note a lot of people don't understand that people will rehearse mm -hmm. suicide. And it's important to know what you're looking for to protect your loved ones. Because when you are suicidal, mm -hmm. your brain is not giving you accurate information. You are believing what your brain is telling you, which is whatever that story is at the moment. And that's we what talked people about, make. We talked about that on one of the first episodes about how I never made a plan, but in my postpartum time, mm -hmm. I constantly was like, okay, but see, if I was gone right now, like mm -hmm. Tyler could do this, Tyler would be fine. I don't need, like, I don't need to be here. And I right. never had this rehearsed or thought out plan. And, and it took me at least six months to tell my counselor because I was like, she's going to flip out and I'm going to get put in a home. Like I'm <laughs> like, I didn't want right. to tell anybody, but right. we shared that. And I've had multiple people reach out that said, I don't even have kids. Like I don't even have kids and I'm listening to the podcast yeah. and I a hundred percent know that feeling. Like I don't, I don't want to not be here, but I definitely want to know what it would be like if I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so important that, parent yeah. or not, if you're listening to this, these are tools to keep in your, like download the episode, save it on your phone, because these are incredible tools to help you through moments like that. And then share that with your, your person, your support, your whomever, so that they can help you too. And it's important to really build. I think if you're a person who's struggling with mental health, you really do need to have a life raft 
And that life raft needs to include more than just your partner. Your support system is more than just your partner. It needs to be wider than that because one person can't, isn't enough. Hold and right, you need to have tools in your toolbox and you need to have people on your side and you need to know who those people are so that when things get rough, you know who to call. And it's not like, well, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. You know, where do I go? Which now? then just pretty much causes more panic, let's be honest. Right. <laughs> Right. So having that stuff worked out ahead of time so that you have it. I mean, I literally have, I carry it around with me. It's, um, it's an intervention. It's a little book, notebook. Mm -hmm. And because I can't always remember what I want to do, I have this, it's, it says the list of things to remember and it's four, two, eight meditation, essential oils, find a rock, put your feet in the grass. Remember the four agreements, do EFT. Emotional freedom technique, tapping. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it's literally just pages and pages and pages of things that I know that I can call on mm. when I can't remember. Yeah. Because when I like to think of the brain as like a stoplight, it's like green, yellow, red, right? The green is our thinking brain. This is our logical mind, emotion, reason. Yellow is when we're starting to go into, um, we're getting into just function, right? Like, I need to make a decision. I need, I'm in danger. And then red brain is lizard. It's literally just survive, right? When mm. you are not in your green brain, anytime you're out of your green brain, you cannot learn anything new. You cannot process anything new. And you often can't remember anything. Mm-hmm. So you know you're going into your green brain or your yellow brain because everybody has a, a thing. Mm-hmm. They know mm-hmm. when their nervous system, you just feel it. It's in your body somewhere. It's a this, it's a click, it's a stomach ache. It's a, you know, and you go, oh, oh it's coming. Yep. Yep. You're on your way out of your logical mind. Have something at hand that helps put you back into your logical mind, or at the very least reminds you of the things that your logical mind knows that this part of your brain doesn't remember. Because you can't. Yeah. You, you literally can't. I'm making a journal. I mean, <laughs> I it's, just I'm doing tiny, tonight. it's just a tiny notebook. And yeah. I just, every time I think of something new, I write in it and I'll write El- to Elton laughing, you know, yeah. or I'll yeah. write YouTube Google kittens, you know, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> because there are tools that you forget exist because you're not yeah. thinking. I, I know I've trained in EFT and I've taught EFT mm-hmm. and done EFT with bunches and bunches of people. And I forget that it exists. Mm-hmm. Or how to do and it it's for that matter. Easy as literally tapping these meridian points and doing the, it's, it's so fast and easy and so mm-hmm. effective, mm-hmm. but I forget, right? Even yeah. the, that's why yeah. I think it's so important to have something really simple, like a breath work practice, like the four, two, eight or absolutely or that you can mm-hmm. go to when nothing else is can working. come to you. Mm-hmm. And then you can move your way through those other. Yeah those other interventions to get yourself balanced out once you've got at least somewhat of a hold on your mental, you know, on your nervous yeah. system. So you're not completely yeah. off the rails, right? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming Thanks. and sharing all of your things. I'm going to, I'll make sure that Joni's um, Instagram and all the things are in the show notes. Um, I do encourage you, if you heard anything that you did not know what that was or anything along those lines, everything that she covered is literally in a highlight somewhere on her page. <laughs> I have gone through them all. Um, And so, and it's very, they're very enlightening, very educational and very helpful. Um, And so I am just so glad that you were able to join us 
Who knew? Y'all give me a hard time about my about my trim and my collagen. But guess what? That's how I found Joni. Um, so <laughs> I am so grateful for you being here. And I hope that this reaches lots of people that need to learn these techniques. And, okay, and, so and we had a little bit of technical difficulties there at the end. But I just wanted to close out by saying a huge thank you to Joni for being on the show. Um, for giving us all of her information. Um, I will leave her Instagram and all of the things in the show notes. If you are struggling in any way, shape, or form with mental health, with finding resources and ways to bring yourself back to a state of calm, I would heavily, heavily encourage you to check out her page, um, Joni Edelman. And like I said, I will share it in the show notes. Um, Thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm so, so excited to get this one out there for y'all. And we will see you again on Monday. Okay, so we had a little bit of technical difficulties there at the end, but I just wanted to close out by saying a huge thank you to Joni for being on the show, um, for giving us all of her information. Um, I will leave her Instagram and all of the things in the show notes. If you are struggling in any way, shape, or form with mental health, with finding resources and ways to bring yourself back to a state of calm, I would heavily, heavily encourage you to check out her page. Um, Joni Edelman. And like I said, I will share it in the show notes. Um, Thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm so, so excited to get this one out there for y'all and we will see you again on Monday. Okay. So we had a little bit of technical difficulties there at the end, but I just wanted to close out by saying a huge thank you to Joni for being on the show, um, for giving us all of her information. Um, I will leave her Instagram and all of the things in the show notes. If you are struggling in any way, shape or form with mental health, with finding resources and ways to bring yourself back to a state of calm, I would heavily, heavily encourage you to check out her page, um, Joni Edelman. And like I said, I will share it in the show notes. Um, Thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm so, so excited to get this one out there for y'all. And we will see you again on Monday.